box to box stoppage time. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Michael Edgley and Willem Van Denderen for our podcast spun off from the main show where we go through our highlights, teams and moments of the past week. And with the round of 16 in the Women's World Cup giving us a lot to look forward to, we've got plenty to talk about. Edge, Willem, um, I mean, it was really challenging trying to find topics to to. to to pick from everything we've seen in the past couple of weeks. Uh, I know a lot of what I've read, the podcasts I've listened to, watching Seven and Optus and everything. Uh, You're probably the first person or the best person to qualify for this. Is this the best Women's World Cup uh, on record? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Unbelievable. Um, The final round matches have been uh, nothing less than extraordinary. The, The amount of... Um, favoured teams that have been rolled in those final moments of matches has been incredible. We're going to talk about them tonight uh, in, in a little bit. We've all sort of got our, our game of game of the final round and uh, sort of hot topics. But I mean, um, Germany out, mm. Italy out, Brazil out. I mean, that's that's the point. Canada, to start with. Three top ten teams. Canada out. You know, it's just unbelievable what's happened. You know, not to mention Australia's performance, which has mm. just been so super. But uh, no, no. That's- I think, and I, Willem's about to come in. That I think what we subsequently saw in the games after uh, the Australian game was, uh, it, I think, it raised the standard of the Matildas' performance when we saw some of those teams go out. Would, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that, uh, Willem. What's um, What's been your sort of top take out of uh, the last couple of days? Uh, the yeah, the changing of the guard to see three African sides there at the expense of uh, winners in Germany and Brazil. And we spoke, Rob, in the on the main show, not to mm. just assume that all successful men's sides, powerhouse men's sides, are mm. you know powerhouse women's sides because with your Argentinas and your Italys, perhaps mm. they've been mm. a little bit slow to uh, to take up uh, the uh, the women's game. But yeah, I mean, you just rattled off a few of those sides there. Edge, no Portugal getting through either. Uh, and seeing sides like um, Morocco through, Nigeria, South Africa, uh, Zambia not through, but even they managed to have a have a win and a really good day out. So it's been hugely exciting. And for a little bit of research that I will explain uh, shortly, I've been going through um, some of the goal differences that we've seen at recent Women's World Cups, and there's been some wild disparities. Teams, you know, like mm-hmm. the US qualifying with a goal difference of plus 17. It's really tightened up. We're not seeing anything like that. Um, yeah, I think the uh, the highest goal tally has been the Dutch who put seven past Vietnam, but we're not seeing 12, 13 goals, are we, Edge? No, we're certainly not, and uh, we can't let the uh, the world champions off the hook uh, before we sort of go into a bit more depth on some of the uh, the issues that really have captured our attention. The Americans almost were going home too. They were uh, one post away from being uh, out of the tournament and drew some absolute scathing criticism from former, you know, captain and four-time World Cup player Carly Lloyd, who um, it seems the players, the current players, and Carly have squared off at each other well and truly. Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Horan saying that, Carly, you've got no idea what's going on behind the scenes. So... We, we never we never normally see that kind of infighting in the American group, do we? We're uh, uh, we're sort of used to seeing them generally within their own camp. I mean, they'll blow up at the outsiders, the the press and 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 critics, but they they're normally a fairly tight knit group. We don't often see this sort of stuff uh, uh, blow up um, within the US camp, do we? 
Oh, she was scathing. Um, you're lucky not to be going home right now. What are you doing smiling and celebrating? You shouldn't be doing that. You should be in the rooms. Yes, by all means, say hello to your family and friends, but what are you dancing around for? You've got nothing to celebrate. They were pretty stingy words from mm. Carly Lloyd. And, and Horan came back, you know, she said, um, how can you question that we didn't want to win in this game? Uh, you're not uh, you, you're not in the camp. You don't know how hard we're working. It's a transitional team. We're still in the tournament, and look out, Sweden. So that's um, I mean that's uh, that's big news normally, but it's been overshadowed by Willem's African teams. Let's get into it. What about the game? Your game of the week, Rob. Okay, well, I'm going to. So we, we we dealt with the Matildas in the main show. So I think none of us have chosen the Matildas. I want to get that off the record. I mean, if we if we had have chosen the game of the week, that would have been the game of the week for all of us. Uh, but for me, it was uh, it was um, last night as we record. Um, I had the two screens going, um, the TV and uh, on the phone, and and the, the 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 extra time that never seemed uh, to end in in the two matches, uh, which ended up resulting in. Germany um, going out. Uh, they they thrashed Morocco 6-0. They came uh, a, a very close second to England. Alexandra Pop missed that final in the Euros and uh, a lot of experts had them tipped to go all the way. Uh, um, but um, they were just brought crashing down to earth. Uh, um, they had that 2-1 defeat against Colombia. Um, which we all absolutely loved, and I had a bunch of mates uh, in the stadium there messaging on a on a different chat saying just what an incredible atmosphere it was. I'm looking forward to that uh, in the round of 16 match in Melbourne on Tuesday night. Uh, but uh, it was South Korea, um, and, and South Korea's coach had had absolutely reamed them, and had been criticised by a lot of experts for the way he spoke about the team. Um, but it was uh, Cho Sul Hyun uh, who who scored just six minutes in, and you thought, wow, what what an incredible result. I know I, know I screenshotted. Uh, the the table at that point and said you know just imagine if it finishes this way well it finished that way but there was a lot in between Alexandra Pop who seemed to be the only go to option to, for, for it was like route one uh, to Alexandra Pop's head uh, plan B do it again um, and uh, and she did get the equaliser but because of what was going on uh, with Morocco and Colombia, it was never going to be enough. And then we saw that extra time go on and on forever. So after they reached those Euro finals, uh, Germany were expected to go deep into the tournament, as we said, um, potentially challenge the whole way. But uh, Martina Voss at Tecklenburg side are heading on the, um, the Lufthansa flight back home. Um, and, uh, yeah, the two-time champions. We don't normally see this from Germany, but uh, sort of mirror image to what you guys saw in Russia um, a few years ago, uh, going out to exactly the same side. Yeah, unbelievable, wasn't it, Willem? Incredible. Uh, well, my game of the week, I'll, I'll, I'll take over. Willem, you can come third. But uh, I was drawn to watch the South Africa and Italy game because South Africa and Argentina drew two all, and I just thought South Africa had been building. And, you know, much has been made about the... Um, you know, we, we had uh, Samuel on from Nigeria talking about the lead-up to Niger- Nigeria's preparation. South Africa, Morocco, Nigeria, no one does it harder in preparing for a World Cup than the African teams. There's pay disputes, um, there's training appropriateness, there's, you know, late appointment of coaches, you name it. It's a, it's a really challenging one. But it was an inspirational performance by the Tallies woman, um, She's an incredible um, player, Banyana Banyana's Tembi Catlano, who obviously put the final goal to win uh, the five-goal thriller. But it was just that this game, the, un, the the way this game unfolded was incredible. There was a howling wind, Rob. We know what Wellington in August is like. It was just 
belting. Not called Wendy Wellington for nothing, man. That's right. It was belting from one end of the ground to the other. Italy actually played with the advantage in the first half, and then South Africa uh, took the, took the advantage in the second half. And it was really a game of two halves on the basis of the impact of the wind. Uh, to, uh, but it was just it was just incredible. Two two times South Africa fell behind, and uh, both times they were able to get back in front. Um, and it, what what the, what made the win even more impressive is that South Africa did it without its first choice first choice midfield pairing of Colosa Binyana and uh, Rafilo Jane, who both were out. Jane was suspended, and and uh, Binyana was um, was inj- uh, was was suspended. Sorry, Jane was injured, um, and it was just a masterclass of coaching from. Desiree Ellis, the South African uh, female football legend. Uh, she absolutely had a plan in place. She said in the first half they were to conserve their energy. Uh, they were adjusted there to a defensive block to try and um, out-manoeuvre the uh, midfield dominance of the Italians. And then after half time they changed their formation to an attacking formation. And finally, uh, just before the third goal, went three at the back. And actually, to, when they went three at the back uh, in the last 10 minutes of the game, they passed a note around to do it because she changed the formation quite significantly. So it was just fantastic. And let's just listen to a bit of the audio of when um, Katlana, South Africa's talisman, sunk the goal that uh, put them, not only their very first win in Women's World Cup, but puts them into the round of 16. Katlana is the only one inside the penalty area. Magaya, lovely first touch. Can she do it again? Crucial time! Desrielis is trying to stay calm, but for everyone else, it's complete chaos. And that's emotion, Rob. Absolutely yeah. sensational emotion. And uh, to all of uh, Banyana, Banyana, and South yeah. African football, congratulations! So excited for them, and they get a, they, they get at least one very good player yeah. back into their team for the round. Of, 16 match, so you just never know. Yeah, and, and such a great contrast. I mean, you know, the, the 2010 World Cup was a huge success, but uh, the sadness for South Africa was, of course, that they didn't get out of the group. So to see their women um, upsetting the world and 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 uh, advancing to the knockout stages uh, is uh, is a wonderful thing. All right, Willem, what, what did you choose, mate, as, as your team of the week? Game my, of the week my primary game of the week, Rob, was Brazil-Jamaica, but we'll touch on that a little bit mm-hmm. later on. Mm-hmm. My other game of the week, for a very different reason, was... Panama, France. It was 6-3 to the French at Allianz, but this was just a rollicking fun contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the French were always going to win it. Leah Legarrick causing havoc. Uh, she was recalled by Hervé Renard uh, for this tournament, having spent six years in the wilderness. Caridato Diani, uh, one of their big stars, Ed, she scored a hat-trick as well. But Panama were right up and about. Their goal off the top from uh, Captain Marta Cox. You only had to see the way that she sort of had a bit of a conniption in the celebration. She just did not know uh, what to do. She sort of went to ground and uh, was swamped. So that was their first goal in history. And then uh, they went on to score another couple as well, just for good measure. Let's take a listen to uh, the third goal, which was called, I think, fantastically by Robbie Thompson. Pins on with the free kick into the area. Oh, bounces over off the crossbar! And Panama have a third! Well, they're scoring for fun! Sereno, the hero of qualification... So yeah, just a good fun match. Uh, Herve Renard as well, making a little bit of history. We know him well from his time in Saudi uh, with Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's also coached um, 
a, a nation to the African Cup of Nations. So he's been around. He's just the second person to coach at both the Men's and Women's World Cups, and he's done so within the space of nine minutes, having uh, led the Saudis in uh, Qatar. The other one... Nine minutes. Nine minutes. That's great. Yeah, nine months, even. Nine months. Uh, and John Herdman, the other one to do that, he took a little bit longer, Robert. Uh, 25 <laughs> minutes he took uh, with Canada, both the men's and the women's side. So Panama mm-hmm. versus France, my game of the week. Edge. And the French super coach, you, you, you mentioned him, Willem, but he did... He did throw a wobbly uh, when they played Brazil in the second game when he was extremely unhappy with a referee not blowing time. And uh, he got very animated in that match. Um, and he also throwed that through that uh, French team around a lot in the last uh, game. He basically gave uh, a lot of the players that had him been playing a start, which was interesting. Just interesting to see how different coaches are managing uh, their squads and sort of the depth of the program. Obviously, France highly, um, highly uh, uh, confident of beating... Panama. That was actually my moment of the week. Was the the goal that you mentioned, Marta Cox? Uh, she set the scene. It was in the second minute, wasn't it, Willem? She was a forty five metre thunderbolt, and uh, I think she just surprised herself. She just struck it beautifully off her foot, and it uh, went into the top corner. Nobody could believe it, uh, let alone uh, let alone obviously the Panama supporters in the crowd. But it really did set the tone for that rollicking fun game that you mentioned. And um, you know, Panama they've really been outclassed. Uh, but, you know, the minnow of the tournament um, getting through in the last playoff spot. But uh, that moment, Willem, will live uh, in Panama women's football folklore for many, many years to come. They've got their moment. Uh, they'll have that to replay and uh, help uh, inspire new generations of women footballers in Panama. That's top of the highlights package, Rob, at the end of the tournament, that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. What a ripping goal that was. And there's been a few of them uh, as well. Um, I think it's sort of all... Um, channels that French football ad um, that we saw before the tournament um, and uh, and for look you know sometimes you read the articles and then I, I find myself reading the have your say comments and things like that and they're still out there uh, some of them might be listening to to the podcast as we speak so if you're one of those people who um, and I hesitate to, to use the word haters um, who, who, who just want to be a critic um, if you love the game then just open your mind and uh, and be prepared to, to look for for the best for the improvement because um, I'm going to talk about this a little later on the the, the sea change but I, that is exactly the, the the kind of goal that that we're now seeing that that elevates the women's uh, game to to the level that um, that those of us who love the game expect so uh, I, my team of the week here um, is um, is the Jamaican women's side. Um, uh, so so to, to understand, and I'm going to quote an ESPN article that I did a bit of research on this. So to understand the feats of the reggae girls at the World Cup, you have to understand where the story started. Now, a lot of people will be familiar with this, but, you know, you're watching, uh, you know, Bunny Shaw, um, Rebecca Spencer stopping the goals. Um, you, you have to think back to late 2008. Um, the team was disbanded because the Jamaican Football Federation couldn't continue funding the women's program, even though the men's continued. Now, in 2014, Sadella Marley, does that name ring a bell? Marley? Was sitting at home when her son Skip came home from school with a flyer. It was from his football coach asking for parents to consider donating some money to get the Jamaican women's program up and running. Now, Sadella Marley is, of course, the daughter of Bob and Rita Marley. Uh, so the reggae girls... Bob Marley's daughter, it's just a great story. So um, Jamaica finished the the 2019 group stage with zero points, uh, but in this tournament alone they've they've, um, they've, uh, uh, scored one goal, but they uh, have been incredible in in defence. They had to rely on 
crowdfunding to finance their travel to Australia. Now, I know, Ed, you, you said that nobody does it harder than the Africans, but I think the reggae girls might be in competition for that conversation um, after lack of funding from the Federation. So um, just one of two teams to, to make the finals without conceding. So so incredible result from the um, uh, the, the reggae girls. Uh, it's just a wonderful performance. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm looking forward to seeing Colombia. Well, that's who they're playing. Uh, Jamaica, um, I just put my hand out uh, for, for the tickets. I put my hand out. I went to the FIFA website and bought them um, and, uh, and just wondered what the, the results would be. But I'm absolutely fizzing to see um, the Colombia-Jamaica game, uh, which will be the main course after having seen uh, the USA, can you believe, play Sweden in uh, in the, the, the tiny environs of, uh, of uh, Melbourne rectangular inverted commas, Amy Park Stadium. So, yeah, well done to the reggae girls. Um, they've just been a perfect case in point among a bunch of minnows who've really stepped up um, and, and shown um, that this World Cup is all about the world. It's not just about some of the powerhouses of days gone by, the USA battling to get to the round of 16, the Germans not even making it. I think the only um, title holder, the Chinese uh, as well, um, gone home uh, that are doing any good in this tournament are the Japanese. So, uh, uh, so yeah, the Jamaicans um, for me. Um, yeah, it was fantastic but- scenes after the match, wasn't it? it was, I mean, there's been so much emotion. Um, obviously, you know, South Africa, uh, Jamaica, you know, Brazil and the emotion with Marta, you know. Don't you knock my back. pins over. That's oh, <laughs> your next one. Sorry. Over um, you, just a real <laughs> stodgy defensive masterclass under Lauren yeah, Donaldson yeah. for Jamaica, Rob. We are going out for a nil-all draw and we are going to yeah. get it. We're setting up with two banks of four and then we're going to have Khadija Shaw <laughs> running uh, the channel solo. It was, yeah, there was a real sort of a uh, real defensive tight purity behind that game. I loved it. I loved the well, 6-3, but well, I, I preferred this game for the nil-all because as it rolled on, I mean, you wanted to see... Uh, you wanted to see Brazil score because of what that would have meant for Marta for mm-hmm. just general, you know, having yeah. Brazil in the tournament. Can I ask you both the question? Jamaica there. Yeah, well, so while you're on the, the subject, Will, I'm, I'm interested in your opinion, Edge, as well. Um, so how, how do they then set up against um, the the amazing uh, uh, vibrance of the Colombian team when they actually have to go out to win? You know, there's there's no choice. Do, do they play a defensive game all the way and then go for the toss of the coin in a penalty shootout? I mean, is I that strategy? I reckon they have you with penalties, Rob. I reckon they do. Yeah. Very, I mean, and they've got Bunny Shaw. I mean, she... Missed the second game. She got a knock in that game against Brazil. She didn't feel didn't look comfortable running around. If she can get on her game, she's a you know she's a, a match winner. So she only has to uh, get on the end of one, and that just might be enough against Colombia. But will we see the wizardry of Linda Caicedo? You know, I mean, with her wonderful story coming back from cancer. Uh, um, can they? It, it, it's going to be a, 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 st- a match of contrasting styles, isn't it? Certainly is going to be going to be so fascinating, and one of those teams is going to go through, mm-hmm. and they're going to and, and they're going to figure uh, in a massive game in the quarterfinals. Yeah, and that'll be against either England or Nigeria. Speaking of England, what about Lauren James? Did, did you see? I mean, China is the reigning Asian champions. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that. Um, and uh, they turned up and actually, um, in general play, gave a bit the Chinese, but they just were fell fell victim to some spectacular goals by the English, none less than Lauren James. She'd have to be maybe the best player in the world who's in the best form of her Better life. than her brother? Uh, probably, yeah. Um, yeah. And she was just incredible 
um, mm-hmm. that volley, the second volley, Willem. She didn't. She she didn't even play in the in the Euros. Um, That's right. Uh, but she's in. You know she's I mean? hit a purple patch of form, and mm-hmm. the quality of her two goals, Willem. I don't know if you saw them. Were absolutely sensational. They've got a. I mean, after their first game, we we're all thinking about oh, how bad's England going, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're looking good too. Yeah, yeah, perfect case in point. Well, we talked to Charlotte Harper from The Athletic and um, as somebody who watches it really closely, she wasn't that confident. But, uh, um, but yeah, they're, they're yeah, getting good at the, just the right time. So, all right, Willem, uh, you're up next. What have you yeah. got for us? Uh, My team of the week goes to Morocco, having sat at Amy yeah. Park Monday week ago as they lost 6-0 to Germany uh, on World Cup debut. You just could not have envisioned a scenario where they would be uh, having any level of success, let alone getting through at the expense of the Germans. We know they're a great story. They were making their, their first um, World Cup appearance off the back of general, you know, groundswell of success with the men making the semi-finals uh, in Qatar late last year. But they've then rolled out and beaten South Korea 1-0 in Adelaide, and that was a great victory. The goal came pretty early edge, and they played the 90 minutes uh, in front. But still, this seemed like a group with a clear top two in Germany and Colombia. To then go and back it up with another 1-0 win over Colombia um, and advance the expense of Germany, um, you just could not have foreseen it uh, less, even less than a couple of weeks ago. Um, as I say, the South Korea goal came early. The Colombia goal came at half time, So they've played right on the precipice for a game and a half. Um, had they have conceded at any point, it would have been wildly different. But they've progressed with a goal, well, with a, a general tally of two wins, one loss, two goals for, and six against. So they have a goal difference of minus four. That's the first time in Women's World Cup history that that's happened, and that's uh, the first time since the 1980s uh, in the men's edition that a team has, uh, has advanced with uh, a goal difference uh, of minus four. Nigeria advanced with a goal difference of minus three in the 1999 Women's World Cup, but it is somewhat historic. Uh, yeah, it just shows what you can do when you can eke out a 1-0 win edge. Yeah, incredible. And I mean, Moroccan women's football, it's only so new. All of those, uh, you know, North African nations, the... The, 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 the Atlas Lionesses edge. Yeah, the programs are so shallow in terms of their depth because of uh, the newness of them. Uh, and it's just a fantastic achievement by um, the Moroccan Football Association. What a, We're talking about the uh, Socceroos and the Matildas getting through to the round of 16 mm-hmm. uh, in within six months of each other at World Cups. What about Morocco? The men mm-hmm. reached the mm-hmm. semi-final and the women. I mean, they're, they're going to have a very difficult time against France, you would think. The French would be too way too strong for them, but you just never know. It's, it's a, it, you know, a, a send-off, uh, some controversy, uh, a, a bit of luck. You just never know in uh, World Cup football, as we saw in the men's game with the mm-hmm. with the Atlas Lions, Rob, going all the way to mm-hmm. the semi-finals. Yeah. But, um, just great scenes. And, um, yeah, it, some interesting politics with this too. Don't forget that in France, a law has been passed to ban the wearing of hijabs. Mm. Um, and there will be a Moroccan player with a, with a hijab uh, in, this, mm-hmm. uh, in this match. So there is some bylines in the stories there. Obviously, um, you know, Morocco and, and France, uh, close social and community ties from uh, colonial days gone by. So there is mm. going to be a lot riding on this game, no doubt about it. Um, and well, I'm looking well, forward to watching every minute of it. Yeah, well, my um, my older son Thomas, who's uh, enjoying uh, an Italian summer right now, um, went to Morocco along the way, and um, and his uh, his schoolboy French um, had him as the number one communicator when they went to Morocco. He didn't realise just how good uh, that uh, that French he learned at school was going to be because uh, I was just chatting to him uh, not long after, and uh, and he said um, the Moroccans, uh, as much as they've got that uh, yeah, that very uh, 
unique flavour of um, of uh, the the wonderful country that it is. Uh, there is that you know real French um, cultural um, dynamic running through uh, their country as well. So yeah, it's it's a great story, Edge, and uh, um, and and I was talking to somebody. Uh, uh, earlier today about the, the contrast in in cultures um, and we discussed that um, the um, the hijab story um, with Morocco against um, Quinn with uh, Canada being the first non-binary transgender player playing in this tournament I mean what a what a, um, a, a I don't know, melting pot of stories we're seeing. Um, and, uh, you know, not only great football on the field, but um, inclusivity and, um, and open-mindedness and, uh, um, and, and some of the best uh, elements of humanity on display um, in this tournament as well. Um, well, I'm going to bring it home with, uh, with my hot topic. Uh, and, and it's a thread that we've run throughout the course of the conversation so far. And, and that is uh, what looks like uh, a sea change in, in the women's game. Now, yes, we saw uh, some, uh, some shock results in the men's World Cup, but more than ever um, in this tournament, we've talked about the fact that three of the, the top 10 teams in the world are not going to go through Germany. Canada and Brazil, and that uh, you know, as you said, Edge, it was uh, just uh, a post that kept uh, the USA in it. Uh, then you, you've got those um, minnows uh, that that have not done a lot in women's World Cup uh, football in in the history of the tournament since it began in 1991. That have just done incredible things this time around: Colombia, South Africa, Jamaica, Morocco, Nigeria. Um, so a quote in the BBC from Arsenal's manager, Jonas Edeval, said, development is fast in women's football at the moment. There's no standing still. We see that with the USA. We see that with Germany. We see that with Brazil as well. Other nations are moving fast here now. So, um, Edge, in your uh, sort of time in, in the game and, and your time following the, the women's game, uh, what's, what's your judgment on this? Is this a genuine change that's just going to continue on and on? Um, or are we seeing a, a, a blip on the radar? Uh, what, what's your view of, of what we're seeing here? Oh, definitely the, the um, gap's closing, no doubt about it. But I just want to um, probably temper those thoughts with, look, um, when the Europeans have a home World Cup, they're very hard to beat in Europe, the Europeans because they're, you know, whether it's in Germany or France, 2011 in Germany, 2019 in France, um, you know, they have home support. They really do have home support. So, you know, the, the, the fans flock over from uh, countries close by. So when they're playing outside of Europe, it does create a little bit more of an opportunity for the rest of the world to make an impact on them. And um, I, that, I think that's an important factor. I don't think... Um, those European teams that have exited have, have been totally comfortable with uh, coming to Australia and New Zealand and playing here. I know the Italians were talking about uh, being underprepared for just the journey and the acclimatisation. So, um, yeah, but the gap, you're right, Rob. There is a sea change. The gap's closing. Women's football is exploding around the world. I mean, Korea were, were quite uncompetitive in uh, 2019 and they've been competitive, albeit, you know, they've only got a point they're not they've been you know much more competitive in the games we've seen you know the the continual you know the rise and rise of those african nations we talked about previously and um, and who can forget um japan you know three wins 11 goals for none against they're looking good 
they're looking good. They really did wipe out, wipe the floor with their group. So I'm interested to see how they go. But um, yeah, I, I, I just think that the Europeans away from Europe are not as uh, fearsome as they are when they're in Europe. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that, and uh, you know the fullness of time will see it all play out. But uh, the good uh, the good news is that we've got a couple more weeks to to, to see just how far some of these uh, teams are going to go. Is, is there going to be a bolter that somehow manages to, to to get through to the deep end? We don't know how it's going to end yet. Um, well, if there's a bolter, um, who do you reckon it is, Rob? Just that, have a have a think about who who do you think if there was to be a bolter. Out of the you know sixteen teams that remain in the tournament, who mm. do you think it could be? I'm going to say Nigeria. Um, I, I just think that they uh, they were convincing against Canada. Um, they they were their their approach. I I thought that they just set out to park the bus against the Olympic gold medalists, but it was a strategy clearly that they were closing their their defensive system. Um, um, almost, it almost felt like a rope-a-dope strategy in that opening game where they they, they, they took on uh, the best that Canada could throw at them in, in the early stages and then uh, and then they, they I thought that they should have uh, probably gone on to win that game. Beating Australia um, against the odds, uh, making that comeback um, in, in front of, uh, in inverted commas, hostile Stadium in Queensland and uh, um, and really um, turning Australia's tournament on its head and hopefully um, they ended up uh, uh, lighting a flame under our backsides and then just doing what they needed to do against the Republic of Ireland side in their first tournament who had been respectable. Uh, we know that they'd been competitive against uh, um, against both Canada and Australia and uh, and so I, I think England are, are, are in for a real game of it. Um, I, uh, whether whether they are as good as their most recent performance, we're about to find out. So so yeah, I, I think Nigeria is the bolter. But do you have uh, another nomination? No, I share that thought. I just think South Africa's draw might open up. You know, Netherlands haven't been going that great. Switzerland and Spain have been spluttering. seven nil. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, no, that, yeah, seven nil against Vietnam. Mm. Yeah, that's my point. Um, they didn't, you know. Uh, I just think that South Africa, if they can get over the Netherlands, they might have a chance against Switzerland or Spain. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's probably Nigeria. Obviously, Colombia will will head in favourite. You would think against Jamaica, Willem, Colombia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No. Look, I'm just trying to look through for a second bolter, and I can't find one. I think Nigeria does stand yeah, pretty clearly. Stand out, I yeah. mean, I think Jamaica. That's tough. Morocco. Let's just. Can I just ask tough. you about the Americans? They have a really tough road now. Um, they put themselves under pressure. They not only do they have to play Sweden if they get through that game, they're likely to run into Japan. Well, they will run into Japan in the quarterfinals. So, um, you know, the Americans they are under pressure. It, it, it will be a serious camp for the Americans. There won't be a lot of laughing and carrying on at, uh, at training. They've got two massive games ahead of them if they get over Sweden. Well, I'm going to uh, uh, take my um, American flag out there with Alexander, my youngest. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side, even though he was Lebanese, was born in Pittsburgh. So that's my only connection. I don't have any connection to the Swedes. So, so, um, so we're going to take our uh, our stars and stripes out there and uh, and jump on the bandwagon. Absolutely. Now, just before Willem end, ends the show with his hot topic, I want to talk about my hot topic, and that is the support for Australia, Rob. I just want to mm-hmm. throw a little bit of this around amongst the three of us and see what you think. There's been well, I mean, there's been over one point five million ticket sales to date mm. in the entire event in New Zealand and Australia. 
congratulations, Australian women's football fans. You've you've set a new record for FIFA. Um, that only means that the next World Cup ticket prices will go up. Uh, but the Matildas three group games, Rob, you know the broadcast numbers better than me, but I'll, I'll just throw these at you. Um, a, a cumulative three matches, a broadcast reach of 8.02 million people over the three matches. Seven plus a streaming platform had all-time records, 1.14 million uh, people. That was on top of the broadcast reach of 8.02 million people. They're saying that it is uh, the each of the Matildas games um, have been bigger than a AFL or NRL grand final broadcast program. So that's interesting. And mm. also what I find interesting is the scheduling of the Matildas matches on Monday nights. I think that was a very good move. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. What's your comments on the broadcast stuff, Rob? Oh, look, I think it's been quite incredible. I, I mean, my, my concern along the way was that uh, that um, the NRL and the AFL weren't doing them any favours uh, with their scheduling. Um, I was concerned that um, the, uh, the the Ashes was on during it, and it, it was just an incredible Ashes series that uh, that seemed to have everybody talking. But the Women's World Cup took on all comers and blew, blew them out of the park. Uh, I think it speaks to... Uh, the um, the fact that the women's game is um, uh, is has a huge level of support amongst uh, families in in this country. Um, if uh, if I was to compare it to other women's uh, ball football sports right now, um, it's uh, it's leading by the length of the park um, from the uh, the NRL, the AFLW. Really no comparison is there. I mean, no, I mean the women's there. rugby won a gold medal a few years ago in the sevens, and and they haven't been able to kick on with it. Um, mm. So uh, the the uh, uh, yeah. narrative has got cut through now, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it certainly does. And and so those numbers that you quoted, um, you know, my my. My day job is as a, a, a media buyer and an agency, and I look at these numbers very, very closely. Uh, you know, an audience of six hundred thousand uh, in in uh, in free to air television these days, with the multi channel uh, digital channels, with uh, the various streaming platforms. So uh, you throw in YouTube as well, all of the different options that we have for screen viewing to get those numbers in twenty twenty three is is incredible. Um, so the sponsors who got on board right now, uh, they'll be happy. I read an article, I'm not sure who it was that wrote it, but whoever you were, I'm, uh, I'm acknowledging you, um, mentioned that the sponsors that are on board will be very happy, but um, that Football Australia are renegotiating the rights deals coming up. So uh, off the back of this, that they will have been sweating for the Matildas to get through to that knockout stage because, uh, you know, not saying the numbers would have dropped off a cliff, but uh, obviously it just wouldn't have uh, uh, been anywhere near what it's about to be like this coming Monday night. Don't forget there's been packed live sites and also there's <laughs> been, what about this, Rebel are saying that Matildas... Um, jerseys are outselling the Socceroos jerseys by two to one. That actually doesn't surprise me. No, everybody, that, that's always been the way, I think. Yeah, everybody yeah. getting behind a, a mm-hmm. home World mm-hmm. Cup and making sure they've got their jersey. Mm-hmm. Just it, They're just covered up by coats because it's been so cold mm-hmm. in the stadiums. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, well done. Um, and so does all of that, um, does all of that just, pos- just drive positive momentum in and around the team, Willem, or does it build pressure? No, think, no, I don't what do think you think's it. happening in the camp. Oh, what's happening in the camp? Um, well, probably everyone's having a look at. They would be hearing these numbers, and they would, they, you know, the, the press releases are being issued by Football yeah. Australia every day um, about just how popular and successful the Matildas are. I just wonder whether the pressure is building. Well, if they do bungle it, they won't point to that. I think they've known this is coming for you know 
over three years or so. So they've had that time to mentally prepare themselves. They would have been doing plenty of sort of sports psychology work to handle uh, that. I think Gustafsson builds that siege mentality pretty well. Uh, so he'd be keeping it all relatively in-house. I don't think they'd be getting too too flustered or, or you know, paying too much attention to those live sites, although it could be seen as, you know, empowering. Yeah, it could be a distraction as well. So no, I don't think I don't think that will be anything but wholly positive to see. Um, to see what comes of the support over the next little while. And you mentioned those those numbers, Edge. The first two games, I think half the country was asleep. That performance against Canada will have really woken people up. Even around my local Aussie Rules Club, there were a few blokes going, you know, when's the next one now? That mm-hmm. sort of chat wouldn't have been going on uh, at any point ever, really, uh, even over the first two games. So, no, people are engaged now. Um, yeah, they're well and truly that's where it's on. And let's hope they can win at least. Okay, we want them to win it. Let's hope they can win at least one more so we can see, you know, just how far this snowball can go. Yeah, absolutely. And just my last comment on the broadcast, I just want to raise it again. We spoke about it um, off air before the show, Willem, didn't we? It was just the missed opportunity if, you know, um, that Colombia-Germany game and the South Africa-Argentina game and the South Africa-Italy game and the, and the you know, the Panama-France game, if all of those games had been on free-to-air, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. what impact it would have had in the general community because you just couldn't look away. And even, mm-hmm. even people not terribly interested in in women's football or as they call it in Australia uh, amongst the other codes soccer um, they wouldn't have been able to look away it, the product was so good uh, I just think mm. I'm just disappointed that uh, we missed the boat on that one I just want to close with my hot topic, a word for Marta. The World Cup dream is over. Uh, She's 37 and she's featured at her sixth and final tournament. She never won it. Uh, Unfortunately, she did score seven goals in the 2007 run to the final and uh, her 17 goals in total puts her one ahead of Miroslav Klose uh, of Germany for the all-time. Oh, come on, Willem. I'll expect more of you from that on pronunciations, please. Miroslav Klose. Miroslav Klosar, some of those great commentaries from the 2006 World Cup. Um, yeah, you, you are the king of pronunciations on this show, mate, so you've got to hold up your stance. Oh, I'll give it a little bit more, give, give it a bit more room for next time. Uh, right. She did, though, Marta, become quite emotional in the uh, the presser before their final group game against Jamaica in Melbourne. She was asked about her legacy, and she said um, that, well, she was pretty much told, you know, you're, you're considered a hero by so many young women and girls. And she said, when I was a young girl, there were no women footballers to idolise because they just weren't put on a pedestal. They just didn't exist uh, as a concept, really. And then at full time to see her exchange with uh, Bunny Shaw, Khadijah Shaw of Jamaica, the respect that was going both ways. You could see Khadijah was you know, emotional, having knocked out her hero and ended the dream. But Marta simultaneously seemed to understand that it wasn't so much about her. She'd had her time, but now look at the, the generation that have come through and uh, Khadijah Shaw will be and is a hero to, to many mm-hmm. young women and girls around. So, yeah, she she really did seem to have that sort of level of perspective and introspection that while this is unfortunate for me, I'm not going to win the World Cup. Have a look at mm-hmm. how far this has come and this only this only really moves on from her. So it was a, a lovely moment. The Amy Park... Um, broadcasters within the stadium kept it on for a long time i'm not sure what went to wear on optus but uh it was a good two three minute exchange hug cry couple of words it was yeah really lovely yeah and i, and I hope um that the brazilian supporters back home um welcome their women's side uh, they they didn't disgrace themselves they, they didn't come out and um and have attitude or perform poorly they, they were just beaten uh, under the circumstances on the day and we know how tough the brazilians can be on their uh, on their footballing heroes uh, that they, they love them so much but uh, um i do hope that um that they can welcome marta back as the leader of, of their uh, their women's side um and um and give her the the respect and, and the credit that a 
you know, a, a wonderful career um, in football deserves. Um, well done, Willem. That was a nice wrap. So, guys, before we go, just briefly, I mean, uh, you know, we go through uh, the the um, the the history of the Australian women's uh, team in the World Cup. Of course, we didn't make the 1991 World Cup, the first one famously. Uh, knocked out in the group stage in 95. Knocked out in the group stage in, in 99. Knocked out in the group stage in 203. Then a run of three consecutive quarterfinals appearances in 07, 11 and 15. We remember all too well what happened in 2019, battled uh, through the the miracle of Montpellier to get to the round of 16, but uh, beaten on penalties against Norway. Um, are we seeing a, a, a result against Denmark to reprise what uh, what our Socceroos did in Qatar, um, and then and then a deeper run in the tournament, guys? Um, with uh, uh, Sam Kerr finally coming out fit and um, and participating in this tournament, uh, are we confident that that's now going to happen? I think making the quarterfinals is a successful tournament for the Matildas, considering um, the you know the, the depth of uh, um, talent that's here at this World Cup. I think that is a great so that you know if they can get through Denmark, they've they've had a successful tournament, and then it's really you know um, they then will play France most likely. Um, mm-hmm. We beat France in a friendly match just before the World mm-hmm. Cup started, so there's a semi-final beckoning for the Matildas, and you get mm-hmm. to the semis. Uh, probably on form against England, and we beat them recently. And uh, and you're starting to dream, aren't you? So mm-hmm. I, I tell you what, I, I have you've you've been talking to me about women's football uh, as in this leader workup. I've never once contemplated them going the the whole way, but I am now for the first time mm-hmm. in okay. this journey. And I think they are very much capable of making a huge impact in this event, just the way that the draws fall on their way. I think um, how exciting it is for them. Um, uh, it's going to be a packed house at Stadium Australia against Denmark on Monday night. Uh, I can't wait. I just absolutely cannot wait, Willem. I have rightly or wrongly been thinking about Samara 2018 edge when Kaspers Michael was screaming in the face of Milo Yedinak standing at the penalty spot and Yedinak <laughs> just went, what, are you serious, and slotted it. And the way Steph Catley's been taking her penalties, I can see a reprise. I think it's a it's a nice little uh, rivalry that we're building with Denmark and it's one that we have the upper hand in, so let's continue that. Yeah, yeah so I must admit, it... I, I don't get terribly animated at the football because um, of my job, but uh, that day when Kasper Schmeichel um, did some pretty unsportsmanlike behaviour to Millie Yedinak, uh, I did nearly have a heart attack. Um, and I did well and truly uh, uh, enjoy when we beat Denmark in uh, the final group game in Qatar. I did um, give Kasper a few of my thoughts as he was walking off the field in Qatar. <laughs> oh, post-final whistle. The afters, car park sort of stuff. I did, I did. I let him know about it, but at least I hadn't forgotten, and he heard it. Um, (laughs) But but I can say I can say this that uh, the Danes are a great footballing nation, and Mm. they're going to put up a good fight against Australia on Monday night. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, no, I um, I was listening to Jeff Hopkins um, uh, on um, on the uh, the Keep Up podcast with Teo Pelizzieri, uh on that very subject. If uh, if you're looking for some good content, um, you know, make an effort to, to have a listen to that one. Okay, we better wrap it up here, guys. Uh, we'll be back again next week. So uh, if you're listening to us, so uh, the round of sixteen is coming up. Um, we uh, we are going to drop the main show midweek after the round of sixteen is completed. Uh, so expect that uh, in your podcast feeds on 
on Wednesday night next week. Uh, enjoy this round of 16 coming up. Uh, it's going to be an absolute cracker. If uh, what we've seen so far is a foretaste of, uh, of what's to come, then strap yourselves in because we're going to see extra time. We're going to see penalty shootouts. We're just going to see wall-to-wall excitement in front of packed stadiums and the eyes of the world will be on Australia and New Zealand, of course, uh, our friends across the ditch. So, uh, Edge, uh, thanks again, mate, for uh, for uh, rescheduling to, to, to put this show together and uh, we hope uh, um, everyone's going to enjoy it. Absolutely. Can't wait. Round of 16. How good is this event? How good uh-huh. is football? It's the best sport in the world. Get mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. it, Australia. We've got a big chance to do incredibly well in this tournament. Exactly. And Willem, well no. done, mate. We'll talk to you next week. Yes, Rob. Thank you, Michael. Well done, guys. Okay. So uh, we hope you enjoy listening to us. I guess if you're listening, then uh, you probably do enjoy it. Uh, so subscribe to box to box Stoppage Time and Offside, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, tweet us at box to box nts and follow us on Twitter, X, whatever it's called these days. Like us on Facebook. And if you've got, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, leave us a nice review because it certainly helps uh, to to promote the podcast in the podcast feeds and, and let other people know about the show. And of course, make sure you join us throughout the week as those podcasts drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.